Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett. And I'm Brian Colbert Kennedy. Teddy is not joining us today. Uh, he declined to come to work. So Sick day. We're not paying him for this, right? I think it's more of like a personal mental health day. That's fine. We That's fine. Take yep. what you need, Ted. Yep. <laughs> this is episode 23 with Josh Basham. And we asked a question, uh, assuming it hasn't happened by the time this publishes, uh, which fucking entirely possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we predict the next big earthquake, Brian? Well, you'll have to listen to find out. Because right. his answer was actually very interesting. It's a little more complicated than you, we thought, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the part where he told us <laughs> we're going to be roasted like marshmallows. He did. He said it a couple times. Also, the phrase crushing death was said a lot. <laughs> As if that's a specific, <laughs> I guess it is probably specific terminology. Uh, it just sounds so terrible. Add that to our vernacular. Uh, but yeah, elevators, you know, here's the thing. Take the stairs. Great for your heart. So good. Great for your legs. Uh, you're not stuck in a box with your farting coworkers. Yeah. You're also not stuck in a box being roasted with like a your marshmallow. Melting coworkers, uh, yeah. Could save your life in an earthquake in so many ways. Um, yeah, but, uh, I honestly take the stairs all the time, unless I'm going somewhere very, very tall. I, I really, I choose it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I can cool. see that from uh, your athletic fitness. Thank you very much. Uh, no, that was a, this is this is a really good one, very yeah. good one. And it, I hope so because it might have been our last one. Might have been our last. One. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, uh, this is our last one together before I split to the East Coast, uh, which is how we did our first few, right? That is true. Which I've never listened to those. No, no, they were fine. Um. Anyways, I won't see you for a couple months. Couple months, couple months here. Yeah, won't it see happens you. every year. Won't see Teddy, and I hate it. Makes me feel a little un- unhinged. But hey, yeah, life's good. Life, <laughs> everything's fine. Come on, you're gonna have a great time. It'll be good. We should. We'll. We'll Skype. We'll Google Hangout. I just want to see your face. Fucking Skype. Hey, by the time this comes out, we're probably well past uh, the primaries in California. Yes. A uh, number of scientists, Jess Phoenix, yes. and doctors and others possibly uh, were possibly still running for office um, in California's weird uh, <laughs> election system. Um, man, sending good vibes their way. Hopefully some of them left. Seriously. Uh, uh, we are talking about the future, but hopefully. All the best vibes. Um, speaking of elections and earthquakes uh, and uh-huh. places to live, uh-huh. uh, I know where this it's, is going. It's a great segue. <laughs> One positive of living on Asgardia in Asgardia, undefined, wherever that might end up both being. on and in work. Mm, well, uh, er, no earthquakes. No earthquakes. Impossible. It, well, that's what I mean by hasn't been defined. I mean, on a space station, sure, you're straight. Uh, if you guys settle on some sort of moon or planet, who fucking knows? Absolutely, but the Asgardia is an orbiting satellite. Oh, that's of a, that's hundred percent established. Yeah, I'll double check. <laughs> I will double check on that. And where where is it orbiting? What what uh what planetary well, body? Well, currently at the in its beginning stages, it's uh-huh. orbiting Earth. The, beginning theoretical the, stages. The, it's beginning not theoretical there. stages, but once complete, uh-huh. Asgardia will be. Uh, it will never be landing anywhere. It will be uh, in space. Uh-huh. There are no uh, plates smashing into each other under the ground. Uh-huh. We have to watch out for alien attacks. Right. Obviously. I was going to say. So uh, other threats go. Certainly, I would say number one is well. Number one is probably just like collapse of the society that was that was probably poorly constructed sure maybe something to do with their fabled monetary system yes 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 that's going to be a tough one um and then sort of more excitingly is 
alien attacks for mm-hmm. sure, I mm-hmm. would imagine. But we're going to have some sort, we uh, citizens of Asgardia, mm. uh, are going to have some sort of anti-alien, you know, defense system with lasers and... Uh, Maybe like build a wall. And there'll be, there'll be some walls. Yeah, there'll be some walls. Come on, man. Uh, I haven't looked at the website in a while. I'm not sure what's up. This is sounding basically. I think it was season four of Battlestar. I think this is just you're just <laughs> describing what happened. Got it. Got it. Um, that's great. Um, I'll, I'll keep you guys abreast. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, folks, we're doing pretty well, man. We are somehow a fucking top 100 podcast. So uh, some insane. of the time, which is crazy. We're top 10 science and medicine. We don't like to toot our own horn, but hey, if it helps more people find us and we can yes. send some more action and and activated folks like you out in the world, um, fuck yeah, man. We are bootstrapped here. We don't have uh, a big or any or any <laughs> any advertising budget. We should get Teddy like a T-shirt for when we walk him. That'd be so great. Day. You ever tried to put like a shirt or a sweater or something on a dog? First of all, don't because it's dumb. Seems like a terrible idea. Second of all, um, they a lot of times they just stand there because they don't know what to do. I was going to say, yeah, my experience is with uh, cats, but it's the same <sighs> thing. They just don't move. As if somehow they are all their limbs are, yeah, you know, unmovable now. You know what would be great is if all cats were immovable and couldn't. Such a, you're a monster for saying that. A monster. Anyways, we are growing entirely because uh, listeners like you are sharing us with your friends, not in a sexual way. I would have remembered that. We would have remembered that. Yeah. What I mean is, share us with your friends um, forcefully if you have to. Take right? their phones out of their hands. Uh huh. Just, just <laughs> take them. Take them right out. Uh, they can click on, you can click right on uh, Apple Podcasts. Nothing is weirder. P.S. Side note. Yeah. Even like my wife, you take someone else's phone and you are confronted by their home screen and how they've arranged their app. <laughs> and your first thought is always like, this is madness. This is specifically for you though, because you are the most OCD person I know. Oh, it's not good. It's not oh good. I'm just God. like, why would you do this? I saw yours today and I was blown away. It's upsetting. Because of all of it. It's, it's too much. No, no, no. It's organized in a very systematic way. Well, uh, anyways, you, here's the key though, which most people don't do. They right. fucking flip through the screens. They dig into a folder, pull down or cut to the left search box. It's oh like yeah. In podcasts. Or if you use cast box or pocket cast or overcast or stitcher, or whatever right. the fuck search important, not important We're everywhere. Just click on subscribe. And to be clear, just remember you still, ha- we're still talking about you holding your friend's phone. Yeah. You took it. Maybe they went to the bathroom yeah. or something else. Uh, and then when uh, Brian, when they're like, Hey man, wait. What are you doing with my phone? It was a, you had a security update. It's a thing. It's Dave, for your, for your safety. Hey, Dave, um, you're welcome. Stop being such a dick, Dave. You're, you're welcome. It's a security update. I'm trying to protect you because of because Russia. <sighs> it's always Dave. He always thinks you're doing weird shit with this shit. We're just right? helping. I'm trying to take care of you. <laughs> right? But seriously, do that. That would be so great. Anyways, make him feel bad about it. It, uh, <laughs> it works every time. Every time. Okay, so um, speaking of feeling both really good about yourself, he's so positive. Yeah, he really was. It's because he's trying to make a really good, you know, uh, change in the world. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Let's go talk to Josh. Smash him, bash him? Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Our guest today is Josh Basham, and together we're going to ask kind of a crazy question about earthquakes. (laughs) Assuming it doesn't come, like, right now, are we maybe going to be able to predict the big one? Uh, Josh, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Quinn. Appreciate it. Very glad to have you. Josh, tell us real quick who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm founder at Early Warning Labs and principal investigator on our official partnership with uh, the U.S. Geological Survey, which is part of the Department of the Interior. 
Awesome. Very cool, man. Wow. And uh, how did you how did you come on that? Uh, wh- what made you go like Fuck earthquakes, man? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, and it really comes from my passion in disaster preparedness and emergency management. I was involved as a, a volunteer for over seven years teaching uh, a curriculum called the Community Emergency Response Team through FEMA and then later the Citizen Corps. So it was through the federal government. It was um, an official federal program where we actually train and qualify uh, volunteer search and rescue teams to become federal assets in the event of disasters. And I, I just I learned so much about disaster preparedness and mitigation mm-hmm. and morbidly, you know, where to find bodies in earthquakes and things like that. Sure. And I, I realized the value of being able to, you know, know that an earthquake is about to happen, even if it's just a minute or so. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Man, yeah. And it makes you, I, I assume go like, well, well, wait a minute. Uh, could, could we crack this thing? Yeah. Sh- shouldn't we be trying? Uh, exactly. Exactly. And we were very fortunate to be, you know, introduced to the smartest minds in earthquakes, the the U S geological survey, Caltech and UC Berkeley. They, they had been working for uh, almost 30 years to try to find a way to implement an earthquake early warning system here in, in America. And we just happened to, to get in touch with them right as they were, they were ready to, to commercialize it. That's awesome, man. Well, we're going to dig into that uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get it going here. Let's uh, set up our, our conversation for, uh, for today. Our listeners are action-oriented people. They get shit done. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we're asking uh, you know, questions that aren't just uh, super interesting, but also provoke action. And we'll do that throughout the, the whole conversation today uh, so that we can build to some specific steps that mm-hmm. uh, they can take to stop earthquakes with their bare hands. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what you do. I, I, from what I understood, that's where we're going. I, I assume that's what we'll get the answer to right. at the end of this. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, so, Josh, uh, we start with one uh, important question uh, to get the heart of why you're here today. Uh, so, instead of saying "tell us your life story" like everybody else, uh, we make things difficult on ourselves and a little bit on you. And we like to ask, Josh, why are you vital to the survival of the species? In the next big earthquake, the big one, yep. right? Anywhere from ten to twenty thousand people could die, and there could be just fifty thousand injuries. With earthquake early warning properly implemented, we can prevent roughly half of that. Wow! And if in this career I save just one life and make one less person that our first responders, uh, whether volunteer or professional, have to rescue or save, then it's worth it. Wow. Oh, that continues the streak of people on the podcast that are better people than us. Way, way better. <laughs> Jesus. Unbelievably I mean, better. Lo- I mean, come on. We got to stop asking this question. <laughs> <laughs> one time I'm just going to ask Brian and see what happens. Oh, man. Uh, no. That was, that was deep. It was very deep. Well, you know, uh, we don't want to put you on the, you know, it's funny, man. We've gotten a lot of really awesome constructive uh, criticism and and input uh, from, from some really great conversationalists uh, in America, which is, we feel honored and lucky to have. Um, And, you know, they vary on 
how to build your questions and when to ask them and what kind to ask when and how to uh, how to ease a guest in versus kind of um, jump starting things this and this and this one I just feel like it's uh, we've had some fun with um, we've had answers yeah, ranging from like I'm not <laughs> uh, you're an idiot to uh, one like that which is so composed and makes me feel like boy, I gotta I gotta I gotta look in the man in the mirror and make some changes. <laughs> Well, what, you know what, Quinn, actually, one of, the, one of the biggest challenges that we have right now is public education, right? So yeah. Yeah. any opportunity we can have discussions like this on, you know, whether it's 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 a news story or a podcast, I mean, you're, you're doing a big part of getting people just familiarized and know that this technology is there so they can actually do something with it, right? So it's, it's your, you're an integral part of this, and I, I appreciate that. All right, easy. Yeah, easy. Quinn, look you back in the to, mirror. Give yourself easy. a big thumbs up. You know, there's a reason. Josh asked if this was a visual podcast video. I was like, good God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see the video of me just going to town on this uh, on this croissant over here right now. Um, all right. So, as described to you before we get going, we're going to set up some context for this question. That means it's uh, time for a segment because we're not original. We've titled <laughs> "Context 101" with Professor Brian. This one will be, sometimes they're super factual or historic <laughs> or really nerdy. Sometimes they're a little more philosophical. Today's earthquakes, I look, for, look forward to being proven wrong. I can only assume most of Brian's earthquake research is based on repeated viewings of Christopher Reeve flying around the world in, in the original Superman so movie. So good! It's still the best comic book movie, to be clear. It's incredible. Uh, how, however wrong the science may have been. Doesn't matter. It's, you know, you're, it's fantasy. Easy. It's, okay. Okay. Get going. <laughs> Here we go. I mean, earthquakes, they're the worst. Fuck them, am I right? <laughs> sure, good start. All of the rest of the natural disasters, we, we see them coming, right? Like, I mean, they're certainly awful. Right. Well, yes. yes. Yeah, uh, um, to an extent. To an extent. Uh, hurricanes, uh, fires, tsunamis, volcanoes, tornadoes. We, we have some sort of warning, and it totally varies. Uh-huh. Um, you know, hurricanes a week to a, a day, depending on how they change course down to tornadoes, which just come up almost out of nowhere and bail right down the goddamn block. But like, there's a little bit of, there's a few minutes at least. And they're horrible. Sure. And they kill a ton of people. Right. This is, it sounds like this is your whole thing is just a caveat so far, which is, right. I get, and I'll, I'll jump on, which is, yes, they're all nightmares. And many of them are getting much more frequent and worse. But earthquakes, man. I mean, first of all, they come from, from in the earth, inside the earth. This is, this is like expert level seventh grade science class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, doesn't that like give you a primal fear? Yeah. Uh, sh- yes, I get. I mean, look, anything that comes from inside the earth or I guess from the sky or from space, like Armageddon, still my favorite movie, but it's complicated. Very There's complicated. a lot going on there, you know, <laughs> but other things that give me primal fear, are like peeing on a moving vehicle, like a plane or I don't, yeah. you know, I don't mean on it, but like in a bathroom when you're on it. <laughs> Right. There's no. just so many strangers. <laughs> Anyways, keep please. I feel the same does way it, about I'm that, sorry. by the does way. It, is he presenting a diorama as well, just like in seventh grade? Yeah, I know. Like I said, it's not good that it's we're so lucky this isn't. We're video. working Brian, on the visual aspect. Continue. This um, is going great. All right. So anyway, it, it just you know, it just makes me feel so small. Um yes. so all right, here here we go. Here's how an earthquake works, as far as I can tell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be good. Uh, so there's like, there's these giant plates. They're sitting on top of earth's mantle and they're constantly moving around super slow, super slow. Uh, Josh, like uh, I heard once it was like speed of fingernails growing or something, right? Oh, right. Yeah. They, you know, they, they vary, but in general, yeah, that's a good, good benchmark. Whoa. Okay. That is insane. How okay. is that possible? I, 
That's what we want you to explain, Brian. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Okay. I mean, oh yeah. All right. So anyway, they're they're either uh, pushing against each other really slow, or uh, sometimes away from each other really slow, or just rubbing side to side, and that's what causes an earthquake. <laughs> and that's how I made my third baby. Um, <laughs> but you love them uh, so much. I, I do. Uh, sometimes even the most of all of them. But Aww. You. Um, all right. So earthquakes can also happen uh, on fault lines, right? Like the San Andreas, which I'm like 10,000% sure is right under our feet here in LA. Do you remember we had the earthquake during the one podcast? And, yes. And Teddy the Wonder Dog didn't even fucking wake up. <sighs> it's so weird and scary. Very scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, anyways, it's, uh, I, I mean, don't we're think on it's, it. I don't think it's right under us. I think it's a little further up the mountains, but regardless, <laughs> your fucking motorcycle is going to drop right down in that baby. <sighs> Thanks. Anyways. Dickhead. Anyways, continue. Yeah. Very helpful. Um, uh, right. It's not here. Uh, <laughs> it's California's close. worried about it all the time, but are they everywhere? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they're, they're, uh, uh, listen, it depends on where you are, right? Not everybody's worried about earthquakes. Thank God. Okay. Um, so like the worst area is the ring of fire, which is like Chile up through South America, uh, to the West coast under our feet, sort of uh-huh. out to Japan, Alaska, et cetera. Not cool. Um, and then number two, uh, is from Indonesia, the Java Islands. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that goes like to the Himalayas, through the Mediterranean, to the Atlantic. Right. And that's, uh, I mean, I think the, the plates pressing together is actually what causes ma- mountains and such too, right? Like yeah, the they, Himalayas, that's why they're so big. That's how, that's how mountains are made. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, so then there's a third major one uh, in the Mid-Atlantic range that's kind of self-explanatory. And, you know, so anyway, point is earthquakes, it's, they're the things of nightmares, you know, and we need to be prepared. Feel one coming, get under a desk or something. Don't go outside. Right. Or what if? Ah, right. What if we we, we knew they were coming? Okay, that's the question, right? The game changer. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. I would feel a lot better. All right. So uh, with that for some context, uh, I cannot wait to hear Josh just destroy that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's double down on uh, and dig into our question of the week, which is, Josh, man, uh, is there a chance we can predict the big one? Have we, have you, I guess you, not we specifically. Don't include us. Brian, <laughs> Brian didn't. Job interview failed. Have we cracked these things? So th- there's, a, there's a caveat there, right? So I, I, I wanted to find prediction. Yeah. Uh, prediction, we, we can't predict earthquakes, okay? okay? Really what we are doing, this is early detection. So similar, but, but different, right? Prediction implies mm-hmm. that we that we know that it's going to happen before it happens. Really mm-hmm. what we are doing is, is detecting these earthquakes so fast that we can actually outrun them. So that's, yeah. that's what we've been able to figure out. And technology has allowed us to be able to detect these earthquakes. Um, so it is, it's post-earthquake pre-shaking. So just like you oh, got it. see lightning before you hear thunder, this is, the, I mean, this is the same theory. We're actually detecting these sound waves. And before... Right, we're detecting them at the speed of light. Okay, they're moving right. at the speed of sound. So if we can detect these earthquakes at the speed of light, and we can send that warning ahead of the earthquake faster than it's propagating, that's early warning, and that's actually exactly what we're doing. Um, that's amazing, and you are already doing the thing that we try to do, which is again, I, I always hate to use the word "dumb it down" for our audience and for Brian. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but more take it down to its basis level, so we yeah. can start with. Uh, again, the context of what these things are. And you said an important thing. You said uh, there's the earthquake and then the shaking because like lightning and thunder. So uh, 
again, using the Superman uh, uh, an analogy yes, or, 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 you know, the rock flying around in his helicopter in San Andreas, because he's a pilot too. <laughs> uh, uh, the earthquake is not what is splitting open under our feet, or is it? So the, so the, the earthquake is actually, so, you know, we're, we're talking about the slow creep of these, of these faults. Uh, and, right. and, 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 and that's what the San Andreas is doing. Mm-hmm. What the earthquake is, is the plates are moving, mm-hmm. but where they're actually touching, they're not moving. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's building up this resistance, like in a rubber band. And finally, all of a sudden it releases and it is like un, it's unzipping California theoretically. Oh, that's with no with no dark with no happy ending. So. Right. Oh wow, I like that. Well done. Well done. Um, wow. Okay. All right. Well, you joked about you know your dog just being lazy and 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 not not knowing anything. But you know we we hear about animals and dogs in particular going just freaking nuts right. before earthquake right. and. What's what's funny is they're actually hearing the these P waves. They're sensing these P waves. That's what these sensors, the 900 or so sensors we have on the West Coast right now, are listening for the same thing. So theoretically, dogs and animals, to some degree, have been doing earthquake early warning their whole lives. <laughs> Teddy clearly Which, hasn't been. You think maybe yeah, some cats too? Teddy's, Probably dogs and cats. Uh, Probably cats too. I'm just getting guess there. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> all right. So, and why why haven't we been able to uh, not predict, but early detect uh, the, these things before? What makes earthquakes so different if the root of the cause is like moving so slow? I mean, obviously, there. Again, to caveat, we realize they're inside the yes. Earth, so unlike hurricanes, we can't see them either with our eyes when they're coming or with satellites. Again, asking the dumbest question: Why don't we have something like radar under the under the crust in the crust? I'm not trying to sound stupid, but I want to I want to dial it down to understand how far you've come. Yeah, well, it's you know it's cost prohibitive. There's only yeah. so much that that they can spend, and only so many resources that the federal government has allocated, and the universities, and also private funding. The Gordon Betty Moore Foundation uh, were huge a huge piece of building the the preliminary uh, proof of concept system. Uh, that we had running like seven years ago. So it, ultimately, it, it's it's both funding and just just the general resources and the support behind the the, the network. So uh, let's let's take it back even further. So you talked about uh, they can only put so much in, and and Brian and I have been discussing on morning one of my biggest peeves and re- reading about how much you know the U.S. has spent in in um, in, in natural disaster uh, damage funding in the over the past eighteen months. Versus what we spend uh, proactively, uh, but at right. the same time, we'll get to that. Let's back up. Tell us exactly how th- how this system works. Literally, to what it what is in the ground, and then where where is it sending a signal? How does it send it? How do we react it? How does it get to your system? Tell us. Sure. Tell yeah. us that. So, when an earthquake happens, right? Mm-hmm. That that happens at the epicenter. Now, that can be close to the surface. It can be super deep. At the epicenter, right? Well, that's that's measured as magnitude. Okay, we always okay. hear that. We always hear four point seven. It was a six point seven. Right. You know, the, the Northridge. It's a you know, it's an eight point oh, something like that. That's what what people are very familiar with, and how we measure the size of an earthquake at its source. Okay, now when that earthquake happens, we talked a little bit about this. It releases the P waves and the S waves. They're traveling roughly the speed of sound. P waves are faster than the S waves. 
So those P waves are emitted first, and those reach the sensors first. Okay, so those 900 or so sensors on the West Coast are actively listening for those P waves. Three of those sensors detect the, have to detect those P waves. With that, they can estimate the size of the earthquake. They can estimate how bad the shaking is going to be, those S waves that are following the P waves, how bad those are going to be. They can triangulate where the earthquake is. They can uh, roughly say how deep it is. With that data, that in itself is sort of the earthquake early detection piece. That's then shared with early warning labs with us, and we actually model out the uh, how bad the shaking is going to be, not at the epicenter. We care about where our users are. So whether it's our app users, mm-hmm. our commercial users, the buildings, the high-rises we have this installed in, we can tell them exactly how bad the shaking is going to be when those seismic waves reach their location. And we can tell them within a second or two how long they have until those strike their location. Now, I mentioned magnitude before because I wanted to bring up intensity it's a modified Mercalli intensity scale, MMI. It's a scale of 1 to 10. Mm-hmm. That's the number that is how bad the shaking is going to be estimated at the end user's location. That's so the number that, we always hear about. Well, no, sorry. The, the, so the magnitude is what you hear. Oh, okay. The, the MMI is the new earthquake early warning number that you, would, that you would see and you can set thresholds at. So that's a scale of 1 to 10. Oh, interesting. So, I, while, you know, you guys are in Studio City, right? So, yeah. Let's say there, there, there could be an 8.0 down by the Salton Sea, and you guys could get, you know, let's say 40, 50 seconds of warning, but your intensity could be anywhere from, who knows, 5, 6, 7, and it's unrelated to the... To the um, oh. Is that going to be confusing for folks? Since they've grown up their whole lives here and like, oh, anything above a six or seven is going to be pretty decent above a nine and we're all toast below a five. Don't get out of bed. Um, That's a great question. Uh, and the, the answer to that is we've dumbed it down as much as possible. So with the modified Mercalli scale, it actually has a, a, a verbal description for, for, each, for each level. So it goes from weak to strong to violent to extreme. Mm-hmm. So people can get sort of a general sense of how bad the shaking is going to be. Right. So is that when you when you send out an alert, does it just have the number or does it have both of those things? Has the number, it has that, has the countdown. Gotcha. Oh, that's great. Okay. That's that's really interesting. So so what has you talked about funding of of course, uh, you know, allows for all of these things. What has changed uh technology wise? What has changed? Because I don't know the time frame technology-wise for, for how this has evolved to be able to develop a system like this for someone to finally say, like, we, we could start to roll this kind of thing out and have yeah. it actually work. The, the, the past few administrations, the, the, the sort of the funding for these programs has been roughly the same. For uh, Currently, there was an ask for a significant amount. It was proposed to actually completely cut the system. Perfect. However... You know, we we had the representative support and and the proof of concepts and the implementations to show the success of this system. And to date, actually, with the omnibus bill that was passed, uh, the the funding for the shake alert, the earthquake early warning system, was actually doubled Whoa. from last year. And That's now incredible. we have state and local cities and states forking over millions, if not tens of millions of dollars to support and sort of match the federal funds. So we've really been building up momentum the last 
sort of three years on the on on the 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 government side to continue to expand this network across the rest of the United States and continue to increase the sensor saturation uh, up in the Pacific Northwest and of course Nevada, Alaska, Hawaii, sort of the the the, the next states to come on board. So it's been it's been kind of in this sort of s- slow burn, consistent development over I mean seven years or so. Mm-hmm. Now it's production ready, and it's and it's uh, groups like us, partners with the USGS, are actually making this commercially available to you know hospitals, high rise buildings, schools, things of that nature. So you you have a public private partnership, which is always. Uh... I think helpful. There's so many people that are like, oh, NASA should do everything. And there's people like SpaceX, NASA's dead. SpaceX should do it and don't realize how much <laughs> the two depend on each other right. uh, yep. and, and how right much that will continue uh, to be the case going forward. Because, uh, you know, uh, uh, private companies can have, uh, I mean, well, I guess they're pub- a lot of them are public. I mean, SpaceX is a publicly owned company. That's different than a, 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 a public partnership where it's, it's, it's a state or federal government or, or local where, you know, in most cases, when the big numbers come about, it's really only a federal government that, that can pony up that kind of cash. Um, but so I, I'm curious, let's just say, let's start here. And then I, I do want to shift because uh, it's, it's important to do so. But what is your number? What is the funding number to blanket the West Coast for you to not sit back? Because it sure doesn't sound like you're a kind of guy who sits back and rests <laughs> on his fucking laurels. Nah. But to go like, all right. West Coast cover, like what kind of funding number are we talking about? So, I realize it's probably a more complicated question, but I'm just I'm super curious. So we're we're at twenty plus million for for the for the next year, right? That's double of what was what was hoped for, which okay. is great. Yes. It's it's still short of the the total amount that we want to have the Rolls Royce of this system, right? So let's just say we're getting a brand new Ford F-150, okay, which is going to get the job done and it's going to work really well. Mm-hmm. The build out, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a big process and, and it's a long process, but the good news is we have really good sensor density in the populated areas. So we can actually have some really good success with the earthquake early warning. So the, you know, the solid number is, is, is something that the USGS is, 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 is managing and, and dealing with and doing a great job. And, and I think they're, they're happy with, um, the, the funding that they have. It could always be more, uh, but thank gosh, it's not less. So we're, we're in a really good spot. Okay. That's interesting. But uh, again, like, you know, if you, if you would your druthers and, and it, you know, you can say this to the NIH to, to anybody, uh, you know, if you were like, look, we could roll this out. If we had the, the dough to do it, we can make all those people who read the New York article New Yorker article, God, was that two years yeah. ago now, uh, feel just a little bit better. You know, what, what kind of funding are, are we truly talking about to really roll that out? The, the specific number, I don't, I don't know offhand, to be completely honest. I yeah, know I mean, it's it, roughly $57 million to have, like, the ideal rollout. Okay. Huh. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, I, I just, for m- myself, part-time super nerd, um, <laughs> And our listeners, uh, you know, we just didn't have any contact. So, so like that, that's just yeah. important for folks when they're looking and, and thinking about how they can activate and ask their Congress people for these type of things. Yeah. hundred percent. Interesting. 57 okay. million. So here's 57 million. So here's where I want to, where I want to pivot a little bit. So we've got listeners in 64 countries. 
not everywhere uh, can afford a system like that. Clearly, right. America hasn't even uh, yeah. put forth the money to do it. And yes, it's all it's all newish, of course. And there's so many competing uh, venues for that money uh, and, and very legitimate needs. But I mean, unlike a satellite, right, for a hurricane that can turn a couple degrees and look at a different part of the planet, these systems need local, regional build out, right? And it, that's often where they need the most. So China, Indonesia, these are all very different com- countries, but the point is they're, they're, they're not a wealthy country like this. I mean, China is in some respects, in some ways, not at all. China, Indonesia, Syria, I mean, good Lord, uh, Haiti, Iran, Pakistan, <sighs> Peru, some of the most deadly earthquakes with little resources, if any, to build a system like this. Mm-hmm. And aside from India, Haiti and Indonesia, you know, those are basically where the worst disasters have been body count wise. Most of those go pretty far back though. But at the same time, uh, aside from Haiti and Indonesia, obviously, which are both in the past, I guess, Indonesia's with 2004. So 15 years or so. But even since then, you know, populations have exploded. Body count only theoretically rising. Right. So if it costs, you know, almost $60 million to, to cover the West coast of the US, which is a large landmass. How, how do we, I don't even know the question to ask, I guess, you know, what is, what is the method for, for looking at these countries and, and finding a proactive way to build them out there? Is there international funding and appetite for this sort of thing? So we, yeah, we, that's a great question. So we've, we've been involved with, um, the, the United Nations, uh, the UN, UNISDR and UNESCO, uh, we've participated, we've spoken at, at some of their, their global events and they have a earthquake early warning, uh, I'm sorry, a, a hazard early warning working group. And we've been sharing this, uh, you know, the concept and the information together with Mexico and Japan. There are other sort of two of the major countries that have some sort of an earthquake early warning system. So we've been working on kind of spreading that message and helping people understand how it can be uh, implemented on the, on the, you know, the global scale. Uh, UC Berkeley has done some very cool research and development with Deutsche Telekom, where they've actually created uh, a cool application which can do crowdsourced earthquake early warning using the accelerometers on phones. Oh God. I mean, it's, Whoa. you know, it, it went from look at this cool game where you can pick out the differences in the pictures to you can <laughs> flag a car, do an Alzheimer test and, and crowdsource yep. uh, earthquake advance notice. It's amazing. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and we're, we're very fortunate to have Berkeley as, as one of the collaborative universities, right. You know, so, the U.S. can afford to have, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollar sensor sites in each location. It can be as as expensive as that. How much ground is it? I'm sorry to interrupt again. Uh, it's so fascinating. How much? Again, to paint a picture, what's a, How much ground does a sensor cover? What kind of area are we talking about? So that's a it's a it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, that's that that would be something that I, that I'd have to ask uh, Caltech and the, okay. the scientists that are. 10 times smarter than I am. Uh, uh, easy, easy. But, <laughs> so a hundred times smarter than me. They, uh, they you know, and, and again, that's another great part about the public private partnership, right? We came into it with the, you know, the software, the technical, the hardware, uh, the commercialization expertise, the tech expertise that theoretically, you know, they didn't have, but they have the smartest scientists, which we would never be able to get. That's one of the really sure. cool things about this public private partnership that you, you kind of talked about earlier, but Kind of in general, with with the seismometers, they need to be spread out along the fault lines, right? 
Mm-hmm. So they need to be within proximity to detect the earthquake soon enough. Mm-hmm. You get an early warning to the, the populated areas. So typically you'll see more sensor, denser, uh, sensor density in the populated areas. And then as you kind of get out, just strategically placed mm-hmm. by the faults to be able to pick up uh, those those P waves. So distances can really vary, sure. right? You can have sensors. We have sensors in the U.S. that pick up earthquakes in, in Mexico, right? I mean, way right. across oh, the wow. border. How big are, what do we, I'm trying to picture one of these sensors. Yeah, I mean, is, is, like? it a, is it a pencil in the ground? Is it a cell phone tower? What does this thing look like? It's funny. We were actually just, just looking at some, some decommissioned ones this morning. They can be anywhere from the size of Please say a large, Please say a large, <laughs> and if it could be shaped unfortunately, like a dinosaur, uh, well, actually, fortunately, much smaller than that, right? A size of like a, I think like a can of soup to oh, like wow. the size of a football. Got it. Okay, so you're not really running into like eminent domain issues then, right? With these things necessarily, you're not like hey, with like the cell phone towers or people going uh, like I have no. shitty cell service and people going, but you're not putting it in my backyard. You're like I have. A, can I put this can of soup and <laughs> save your life? <laughs> well, that that's. I, I wish we could just say it was just the kid. Unfortunately, we have to have all the telemetry, the power, the IP. Right. We have to have a small culvert. We got it has to be so somewhat underground to be shielded from just surface, like you know, trucks driving by and right. people plowing their fields and stuff like that. So the, a, a big portion of the expense is just getting it underground in a good spot with the right telemetry. You know, getting it in in basements of buildings and things like that is great. But one of the biggest challenges that 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 we've learned is uh, approval. Even if it's just on federal land, is a lot of the environmental approvals that need to happen to be able to get this. And, and even the USGS has has some challenges with that. So that's a hurdle. I mean, it's a it's an actual viable. I mean, it's a it's a it's a measurable hurdle that they have to have to deal with. Even even as you know, part of the Department of the Interior, they still have right. to deal with the a lot of regulations just to get this life-saving tech into the ground. Hey guys, it's Quinn. If you're listening to this, you obviously like podcasts and you probably like music too. On Spotify, you can listen to all of that in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can download episodes to listen to offline wherever you might be. And you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends via Spotify's integrations with social platforms like Instagram. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. You can just search for Important Not Important on the Spotify app or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Very convenient. And of course, you can follow us so you never miss an episode of Important Not Important. Uh, Spotify is the world's leading music streaming service and now it can be your go-to for podcasts too. Sure. Now I'm going to use a, a a buzzword um, because that's annoying. Is uh, you know <laughs> w- one of the ways um, that we've been told autonomous cars are going to be so much more reliable and safe in the future uh, is that they are networked together and constantly learning. So if your car breaks short, uh, every other test on the, uh, on the range, uh, on the network is going to apply that situation right. and, and store it in its bank, right? It can only learn. I mean, that's how machine learning works. You train it on a series of images and it learns from them and can apply itself. 
is there anything like that going on with these uh, systems at all? Are they, are they smart at all? Is there anything that they can be learning along the way that can mm. constantly be improving itself? Or are they relatively, I don't want to say dumb, because clearly not, mm. but you understand what I mean, like not network, not necessarily learning. Uh-huh. You know, you know, in a way, they're doing that right. We, they, they have algorithms that are, are processing the seismic data, the waveform data. Mm-hmm. It, it's fairly standard. They, you know, they, they, they'll test it back over all sorts of waveform data and see, okay, that was an explosion or that was, you know, seismicity from an earthquake across the earth that has actually traveled right. through the center of the earth. And they, they, they can identify those types of waveforms and, and, and are able to filter that out. From from my understanding, I don't believe there's any uh, machine learning type uh, processing that's happening right now. But as with other technologies, I mean, I, I could you know I could see that being uh, applicable to to earthquake early warning and in, in, sure. in hopefully in the near future. Wow, that's cool. Just so just send the royalties my way once we get all that. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly <laughs> from uh, from where we are now, how how much can we? realistically expect a, a system like this to continue to improve, uh, you know, in response time in the next five, 10, 20 years and so on? Yeah, great question. So there is a scientific limit, right, to where we can get this, right? There's a top yeah. end of warning time that just physically we can't, we can't exceed right. because, you know, the earthquake is happening. And we can only detect it so fast. We can only send an early warning so fast. So there is a top end there. Yeah. there right. There's room for us to improve this, right? With with more sensors, a little bit faster telemetry, faster computing. The computing on our end is about as fast as it's going to get. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe we can shave mm-hmm. off tenths of seconds, but which really isn't a a measure. I mean, it's it, there's there's no benefit to having you know twenty seconds right. or a twenty point oh one seconds, right? right. So there's no, there's no way to really, like you said, it happens and then we can send the signal, it can compute it and run that algorithm and send the signal as fast as it can. But there's no way to keep stepping back from before it happens. Like you said, because it's a buildup in the rubber band, there's no way to start encroaching on that tension is there to say like, it's where, you know, where they're always like, Oh, the big one in Los Angeles, San Francisco is way overdue to make that much more specific as it builds up. There's not like sort of rates of tension where we could be like, it is definitely coming in the next 12 years type of thing. Yeah. yeah, And they've, you know, they've tried, they've tried to figure out ways to, to, to do that. Um, A couple of years ago, uh, I remember there was a earthquake warning issued because of some increased seismic activity. And there was a lot of debate about that as to whether that was, you know, a legitimate warning to have. The only reason that that went out was because there was a a slightly higher likelihood that we were going to have a big earthquake due to some seismicity. And that and that and that's factual. Right. If we have a a, a big earthquake, there is a higher risk of having of that possibly being a foreshock. Right. But as time goes by, it's like days. The chance of that just drops drastically. So. There's kind of some correlation there, but being able to predict it just still hasn't been a feasible science. And the consensus is that it's just it's it's impossible, at least right now. And maybe, you know, maybe that could the like machine learning could it, it could be applicable there to try to see if there's a way where we can 
somehow predict it. But right, it's something that we just and again, this is this is a really really shitty and lazy application of machine learning where everyone today goes, oh, deep learning, it'll fix everything. It's like, <laughs> no, fuck it, that's not how it fucking works. It can play, it can play Go, and it cannot drive a car. It can drive a car that one cannot play Go. Like th- these things right. do not cross bounds. That's why we don't have general AI, AI uh, and we may never not. Uh, whoops, uh, that's a double negative. Um, coffee's working. <laughs> hey, we got it in. Um, but at the same time, you do look at this and go, but there is data in this. And there is, like, even if there isn't an earthquake or a big one at any point, that tension is there. And one of the benefits of machine learning, as far as we can understand, is it is built to, to train itself on, on reams of data that we, as just beyond our ability, our bandwidth, and our comprehension. And sometimes that gets to, uh, you know, as it is with DeepMind and Go, to black box status where we don't know why or how it did that, just that it did, and we like the answer. But I, I am just curious if there's if there's some way to just to to gather that and 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 apply it in some way to almost you know backdate it before these things happen. Right, big data. You know, looking at the seismicity before you know our last couple of big earthquakes so trying right. to process that and look at you know maybe some similarities and things like that at, at, at even just backlogs if of there's data anything, that have just been stored anything. yeah see like if there's anything said, yeah. even if it takes three seconds on it, it's like it's it's three seconds man that's a baby out of a crib you know i'm, I'm just at, yeah. i'm just curious it's almost like health records where you've got i mean they're they're their own nightmare because of doctors handwriting and lack of standardization and things like that earthquakes yeah, don't have doctors handwriting about? But, you know, the, the analogy is thus that you've got, you've got 50 years of, of, of health records and the idea is, assuming they were all uh, legible and standardized, you, you push those into machine learning and then you're also taking, so it's learning everything that's ever come out in every medical journal. And then, so it can find, uh, you know, the patterns there, but you're also giving it the live data. Everybody that's coming into a hospital at any given time, every new journal article, so that it can can cross-reference all of those things to say like, oh, you've got cancer. Um, and this uh, works yeah, for this people work, with right. your genetic makeup right. in this part of the country that's been exposed to these environmental environmental impacts. And and I yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it's, it's hope, it's putting too much faith in technology, which is always, not a mistake, but it's, it's an easy, it's a panacea. But I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. You know? And it's possible. That's absolutely possible. Until until we try, we just really don't. Sure, you know, but again, don't. that requires a lot of resources, and it's entirely theoretical. Right. So, yeah, yeah, gotta happen. You're you're clearly doing your part, uh, Josh. <laughs> Ish, uh, just a little bit. Are there like w- w- what are things these other countries uh, that you know don't have uh, tremendous resources like ours need to be doing in the meantime? Uh, is it housing, education? Are, are there, do these countries right. have Josh Bashams? <laughs> Earthquake <laughs> retrofitting, can we clone you? I mean, do they actually, <laughs> these guys learn from their disasters, unlike us? So, I'll unpack that question a little bit, right? It's like, what what can they do if they don't have the resources and kind right. of what are they, what what are they doing? So, Dr. Lucy Jones, super brilliant, way smarter than I am. She was part of the USGS. She's kind of coined the earthquake lady. She's moved on and she's doing some other fantastic things with her, with her foundation. Is she a different lady and not earthquake lady? Well, I, I, how many monitors she does she the have? Cello, I think. So she, oh, she cello it's lady? just, it's too much. You know, <laughs> these people. Very smart. I couldn't play a musical <laughs> instrument to save my life. 
Same. Uh, but she she brought up some really good points when she was, was speaking on behalf of the the USGS, and and as she still talks about about kind of earthquake hazards today. You know, these other countries that have some semblance of an earthquake early warning system, they they actually built them and invested in them because they had uh, a shit ton of people die in in an earthquake. And right. the United States is the first place that's actually being proactive and building the system without losing hundreds, if not tens of thousands of people's lives. So, you know, we're very fortunate about that. Mexico, you know, they lost a lot of lives in, 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 yeah. in some big earthquakes, and that's why they mm-hmm. created their system. Same with Japan. Building codes are also very, very important. Something very interesting about the codes, at least in, in California, they're not really designed to protect injuries and and like crushing deaths per se from like falling building stuff inside yeah the stuff is a very te- technical term if you haven't noticed <laughs> <laughs> Use the, the brian term the the building codes are actually designed to just prevent a collapse of the building yeah so there can be huge tremendous crazy damage panels can fall internal walls can collapse you know they the the, the ac unit can come through the ceiling and crush you while you're sleeping the mirrors can come fall down and and just just cut you. The windows can be blasted out. This is great. As long as, as, long as the building doesn't collapse, hey, code code worked. So right. that's so why something early warning is on. super important. Even with the crazy good building codes we have here, or the seismic uh, uh, codes that we have here, and the retrofit the uh, rules. Sure, is it crazy? Going to prevent roughly half the injuries. Through some of these, these these academic studies they've done, that that's what they've determined, which is huge. Even with the crazy good building codes we have, so if you look at other countries which which don't have either the resources or the, the government infrastructure to enforce and and check and do all these these building codes, that's like a double whammy, right? It's 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 tough. Where where do you spend your your resources? It right. would be great if we can prevent the building from collapse because that prevents a lot of the 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 the, the death crushing death but it's just how do they allocate the resources and it's a, it's a it's a tough question definitely a tough question and that's where kind of this this the this technology that that berkeley was working on is really fascinating because it everyone's got a smartphone mm-hmm. yeah uh, everyone's i mean uh, the proportion to android to apple is actually it's more app well, it's, it's higher proportion to Apple in the United States, but overseas, mm-hmm. the Android is close. pretty significant. Yeah. yeah, and that's really what their technology works on on the Android stack much better. And you know, you could roll this out like if you bake this into the phone, and it's just part of the phone. Boom! You have the millions of sensors. It's not nearly as accurate. It's not as much warning time. There's a lot of challenges with it. But sure, but shit, it's something. It's thing. Exactly. Well, and that's what they've done. You know, like uh, Apple. Uh, you know, and rolling out their um, their health kit and the research kit stuff uh, over the past few years. Uh, you know, and they're doing these studies with Stanford, and and they've now enabled it so other with the, with the kits, with the frameworks that other clinics can roll out their own studies. You know, you have these you have these research uh, scientists uh, and doctors. You know, maybe one of the big ones is Parkinson's, and another one is 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 heart studies. Going, my studies. The way I grew up and the way my lab has always run is if we can get a hundred people, it'll cost a few million dollars. I have to get those people here. It's incredibly isolated. And all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, I mean, Jesus, 
with years of behind the work <laughs> scenes work uh, on these systems and hiring uh, an infinite number of professional scientists, people who who understand both the technology and the and the medical science, all of a sudden they give a speech on stage and say, "Hey, when you download this software tomorrow, there's a billion devices that can be used to run a test to see if if you might be prone to Parkinson's." And it's the same thing, maybe not as accurate, but holy shit. The data yeah. that, by the way, is now it's it, it it's almost free. Like it's in, it's incredible. It's it's just a game changer. It's that it is fascinating, right? And you're getting a good through that collection of data, right? They're getting all sorts of different data points as a much broader swath. Like yeah, like in a clinical study, it's okay. It's that snapshot in time when they're there and they're being analyzed. This is yeah, right. You know, crowdsourced and multiple times of the day. It's it's really fascinating. Okay, so let's let's uh, turn this uh, to our listeners. Let's quickly review uh, what should we have no early warning system we need to do when we feel an earthquake coming. Okay, so uh, the, I want to make sure I heard that right. So what what should they do yeah, it, with, without an early warning? Yeah, so assuming they've got no early warning system, because again, it's not everywhere by any stretch. No early warning system, your regular person, you feel an earthquake coming. What are the What are the three things they should do? Statistically, the very best thing that you can do and what's sort of the industry standard is to drop, cover, and hold on. So it's to get underneath a sturdy piece of furniture mm-hmm. and to hold on to it and really just ride out the shaking. That's the very best thing you can do. One of the more dangerous things that you can that you should, that you shouldn't do is run outside. Every time we have a big earthquake, people are killed by falling debris, whether it's glass, you know, you know, fifty pound window. Uh, pieces of glass popping out of the windows to bricks and facade and gargoyles falling off of buildings that people are killed all the time with that. Who has gargoyles? <sighs> I, I lived in a building that had gargoyles. They were it, cool. In man. my world, Quinn. Oh, Jesus. Hey, I, 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 live, I have Santa a Monica is so weird. <laughs> Jesus. I spend a lot of time in Santa Monica, Josh, and I like it. <laughs> you would wait wait I have, I have a question real quick so say that sounds a lot like uh, what you should do if you're like in a pretty um i don't know in a city for example mm-hmm. if you're if you're if you live somewhere uh you know where you're like on a lot of land there's not a lot of buildings around would it make more sense to get out of like the first floor of your house and be in the open so that like some that your house doesn't fall on you like any you know what i mean well that's so. That's a great question. So this you're, kind of goes, you're, Brian, you're assuming there is no debris to fall on you. You're saying, yeah, like what if right? Like here, I could see there's tall buildings everywhere. Some creepy that makes place sense. where you're surrounded by no buildings, no trees. <laughs> it's no power not creepy. Lines. It's just not a city. There's places. I have friends that live in these places. <laughs> okay. I'm well, curious. so you know, this kind of goes back. Part, he said it was know, those, those those seven years ish that I was that I was teaching the CER curriculum. One of the big things was was to kind of talking about different types of buildings, a safe place to be for right. earthquake, et cetera. So you might be surprised to, to know that actually one of the safest structures to be in during an earthquake is a single family wood frame home. Hmm. The, <laughs> that wood actually moves and flexes with the earthquake. Right. And depending on the house doesn't hmm. bounce off the foundation, which typically they do, but they, they, they typically stay in one piece and they're just kind of tweaked. Right. You don't want to live in it afterwards, but they don't collapse and, and crush you to death. Okay. So okay. there's, you know, we, we try to have a catch-all piece of advice, right, is to right. drop, cover, and hold on to have the greatest good, the greatest benefit. You know, different scenarios, right? If you are in an unreinforced masonry building that's not up to code, that isn't designed to not collapse, 
you know, you have, you have other stuff to worry about, right? Is that yeah, building going to collapse on you? We don't want to tell people to run outside because you may have 10 seconds, five seconds, or a minute of warning. It just varies per, per event. Right. It, it, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, it's tough to say. Now I can say I live on the top floor of a building and that's by design. So if this building does collapse, I have the ceiling on me, the roof mm-hmm. and not, and not five stories of the building on top of me if I was yeah. on the first floor. <laughs> that, make, that makes sense. Okay. So let's assume we do get an alert. We're in, in one of your, your fancy systems. Uh, first of all, I mean, and I know it totally changes, but depending on distance and, and how strong these things are, how much time might I have? So uh, time and distance really yeah. is sort of the, the algorithm right. for that. It, it varies. So if you were downtown LA and mm-hmm. we had the San Andreas, the quote unquote, the big one happen where it mm-hmm. ruptures down by the Salton Sea, you get roughly 57 seconds of warning. You guys are in Studio City. Your warning time would probably be a little bit less, but roughly around the sub, you know, 50-ish seconds of warning. So what about like somebody in San Francisco or somebody in Portland right. um, or Seattle? Yeah, so they so they actually released, good timing for that question, they, they released something called the Haywired scenario, which is their big one in Northern mm-hmm. California. They, for that scenario, San Francisco, it looked like they were getting like 20 seconds of warning for the okay. Haywired fault rupture. Okay. With that much of a warning, which doesn't sound like much, but again, yeah, that's it, wild. You can get a baby yeah. out of a crib. Yeah, yeah. Um, should I do anything different than get under the table, or am I still just using that time more efficiently? Two pieces of, of that answer. First yeah. piece is no, you do exactly the same thing: drop, cover, and hold on. In okay. fact, our mobile application, when we release that, hopefully before the end of the year, uh, to the public, that it literally, if it's over a certain intensity, it'll actually show on the screen: drop, cover, hold on. Gotcha. Oh, wow. That's helpful. Yeah. Where where we're actually saving more lives and preventing more catastrophic damage it's is we... <laughs> and death. Ah, this guy uh, dinosaurs. We, uh, we're actually... We have, we have our commercial side of this where we uh-huh. actually integrate with an entire high-rise. So we actually put that building in safe mode. Whoa. So we slow and stop the elevators. And we open those doors at the closest floor because in San Francisco, the stat was about 20,000 people will be stuck in the elevators. And unfortunately, after a big earthquake, what follows that is the firestorms. So fire. So you just smoke a piece of meat at that point if you're stuck in an elevator. Jesus. So we're preventing hopefully about 20,000 people getting stuck in elevators. We open vehicle gates. We open fire station doors to prevent the fire trucks from getting stuck inside and, and the building collapsing on them, which they had happened in Northridge. Uh, we are slowing and stopping all LA Metro trains. We are, wait, is that actually built out? Are you, yeah. are you, wow. Yeah. So the three subway cars that go around LA, you, you're actually integrated. There's going to be more, all of them, all, all, all three. Cars that's fascinating. I had, I, I actually had no idea. I mean, yeah, cause right wild. now that's the sort of thing. I mean, people, uh, Apple come out, everybody will get it, but that's the sort of thing where I feel like people will actually get off their ass and, and we're going to get to this in one second. Actually. And I think that makes this very compelling is to call their, call their building owner or call their congressperson yeah. uh, their lo- or their local councilman and be like, Hey, motherfucker, you know, do the in, integrate this thing and, and save this many lives. That, so I'm not a kebab. Exactly. And when you mentioned earlier, you know, you wanted actionable items that people can do the best thing your listeners can do is if they live in an apartment building, a condo tower, or if they work in a high-rise, is to ask management, ask whoever 
whoever deals with infrastructure and the fire alarm and all that stuff, why don't we have earthquake early warning? That and, will get, that will get it in their building. I guarantee okay. it. Okay, and we're going to get really specific here. So when their when their building owner is like, ah, yeah. I, you want me to fix your air conditioning? You want me to, you that's want an earthquake? That's exactly you what want, a building owner sounds like. This is a while. You, you, your lights don't work. And he waves you off and is like, go fuck yourself. Do you have like a specific piece of paraphernalia um, to give those people that is angled to them? Like literally where can our people print these things out or, or email this to your landlord type of thing? Or do, do we have that? Can we create that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can get, we can get you uh, basically a one pager. That would uh, that they could send out. That'd be so great. That would be tremendous. So what? What's, what sort of? Co- assuming we have a few landlords there right now, like what the fuck? What <laughs> hit me with a bus? Uh, wh- what is it gonna? What's it gonna? Obviously, it's different per 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 building or so, subway, whatever. But what what are we looking at cost wise and and integration wise to do something like that? Yeah, you know, depending on the size of, let's say, it's an apartment or a condo mm-hmm. or like a floor of an office building, it can be, you know, dollars to tens of dollars a month for that unit, right? It's very very low cost to get wow. it set up for for a facility. It's very cost effective, and that you know, one, once management understands that and they actually see, I mean, we have. Uh, ABC uh, did a, a special on us uh, a few months ago, and they actually found just there was this woman walking through that lived in the building. They said, hey, you know, you have earthquake early morning. Why do you guys like this in your condo building? She said, I left a competing building. I sold my unit and I bought this unit here because oh, they had earthquake early warning. And we're talking Damn. like million dollar units, you know, thousand dollar HOA. Right. I mean, this is like a right. a, a, a very nice building. And people are starting to actually use that as a as a you know a decision factor for for where they are. I mean, if you have 200 employees on you know on the floor of a high rise uh, and you're looking for new space, shit, employees would love to have an office yeah. that has earthquake early warning. So that that may right, be right. a deciding factor. So it stops and opens the elevators. What else does it do? So it plays audible warning through okay. throughout the building speaker system, so we can get that drop cover hold on benefit. Can it be like Alexa? Can you get Samuel L. Jackson to be like, "Run, motherfucker, run"? <laughs> I would love to have a celebrity I want voice it customizable for this. Really in my idea. building. Right, right. Wow. And and when did the L.A. Metro thing roll out? That's been live for over two years. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, what about uh, Bart in San Francisco? Anything like that? Actually, the, the we with CBS Morning News. If your viewers just want to Google it, CB, uh, L.A. Metro earthquake warning CBS. There's a great, we did a whole, we had a helicopter, we had all sorts of crazy stuff. We did a full scenario for uh, CBS. We actually slowed and stopped all the trains in LA with our system, which is pretty Damn. cool to see. Boy, Brian, if you'd done your research, we could have found out all of this. Hey, Context 101 <laughs> with Professor Brian was very informative. I know, it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> um, well, shit, that is really compelling, man. Um, so besides the their specific selfish needs in their own building and subway trains and elevator cars... <laughs> Um, what can everyday folks do to support building this greater early warning system in their region? They can talk to the representatives. They can say, you know, thank you if you voted yes to increase the funding. And if you didn't, you need to follow up next year. Make sure that the funding levels uh, at least stay the same or are increased on the federal level. Uh, and with uh, city and state representatives, same thing. Say, you know, we want this earthquake early warning. We worry about our kids. We worry about them in school. 
that that is that is a, a you know aside from asking for it at work or where they live you know telling telling representatives i want you to support this you work for me i want you to support this this funding for the earthquake early warning system and 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 us as early warning lab we get none of that federal funding i mean we're you know we're privately funded so we're not getting mm-hmm. any of that money right this is just helping us get that data from mm-hmm. our partners mm-hmm. and to be able to then pass it on to to end users everybody wins basically yep, everybody wins but your commercial side uh, that's interesting do you guys do uh like schools or anything like that i mean that's where people i, I feel like are going to be like yeah wh- whatever the dollar is right yeah yeah we have we have a, a great project that we're working on uh we're, we're we're donating it for uh la unified school district right we're 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 helping them roll out to a couple of their schools in the hopes that we can find some outside funding to get all 1200 uh, just like 1,275 schools equipped wow. with this. Cause we, I mean, personally, myself as a, you know, first responder, sure. uh, I, I worry about the kids a lot and I want to see this in the schools. So we're, we're, we're working with them, covering the cost to, to do that. And hopefully we can find some grant funds or some, some private funds to help us roll out to the rest of those, uh, those schools in need. So we're, we're, we're working different avenues of this and, and just trying to get it out there as much as we can. That's awesome. We might Thank have to you. talk a little more offline about that. Yeah, um, yeah. So just to sort of quickly uh, summarize what our listeners and people who don't want to die an earthquake uh, can do in general, and that is to get down, get cover, and hang on if if they feel it coming. And if they do get an alert and do down your lo- load your app, or they are in one of these buildings or subway cars or elementary schools, do the same damn thing. You just have 10 more seconds to do it. And then it is it is talking if you are in one of these potentially affected areas uh, to your local folks, um, your local representatives about um, saying, you know, have you supported the funding? I mean, you can do your research and find out if they have. Um, but if not, ask them. Um, right. And depending on what their answer is, you know, funding should at least stay the same, if not more. Um, it is always better to be uh, proactive than reactive. Um, these things, like you said, they're going to happen. We're not going to stop them, but it would be great nice if, you were, ready. if fewer people uh, fell down the <sighs> hole or were crushed or were turned into kebab. And then uh, privately, yeah, um, you know, there's commercial systems like this, uh, like yours out there um, that can be integrated into buildings and schools and subways and, and things like that. So it's really cool to hear that sort of progress uh, coming forward. Um, I think that's it. Did I miss anything? No, that was it. Right on point. Appreciate that it. That's pretty good. All right, uh, we have a uh, last few questions that we like to ask everybody. Um, sort of a lightning round, if that sounds good, Josh. Sure, let's do it. All right, um, cool. all right first one. We'll fix this at some point. Uh, it's not a lightning round question. <laughs> the lightning round starts after this question. Son of a... <laughs> when was the first time in your life when you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? The first day I walked into the disaster, the, sort of the, the cert training program i thought wow i mean i just need to donate a little bit of my time and i could i could save someone's life that was huge that was huge for me that's awesome and and by the way like again doing nothing to contribute to humanity like you are but you can get that feeling as simply as taking a cpr course or a first aid yeah. course guys especially if you have kids it's so easy they're free in a lot of places it's a couple hours out of your day and you might never use it but Man, if you could, um, even if it's not a disaster, you know, anything like that, it, it just makes a difference to have people more better informed and better prepared. Yes, 100%. All 
All right. Uh, next one. Who is someone in your life that has positively impacted your work in the past six months? And you can't say Brian. <laughs> as bad as you want to, Josh, you can't. You know, my, uh, my, my family, it's just, you know, it, 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 anytime it's, it's a rough, you know, a rough week, a rough day, a rough year, right. You know, in, in, in the tech community, it's, it's, it's always up and down, right. It's, it's a roller coaster, but the one constant I've had is, is, is my family. It's always been, you know, there for me to help, help support, listen, words of encouragement. And I, I became an uncle and, and got to hold my nephew a couple of weeks ago yes, and see my right. parents be grandparents. That was, that was just, you know, just amazing. And that just gives me, you know, excitement to move forward. That's I love incredible, that. man. I love that, man. Congrats on being an uncle. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thanks. Hey, everyone we're... should do it. <laughs> I'm an uncle. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome. Actually. Congratulations. <laughs> very, you thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, Josh, how do you, uh, how do you, uh, take in your news? And I mean more like, not like on the toilet, like what, what vehicles do you use? If you want to tell us where that's open. How do you read the news? So, that's a good question. I cut the cable probably two years ago. Nice. nice. So my consumption of the news has gone drastically lower mm-hmm. than what it normally would have been by just having news on in the background. Oh no, right. wait, you know what's happened in the past two years though, right? Oh yes, of course. Of okay. course. Of oh course. my God, oh, Josh, like, it's oh, terrible. No, this podcast isn't going to end the way I thought it was going to end. Oh man, I don't want to break it to him. Uh, so yeah, so I, you know, I, you know, the Apple news feed is great. You know, I, I scroll through that. I have a couple, you know, just news sites, aggregators that, that I, I kind of, I, I thumb through, but I honestly have tried to, I have enough, to worry about, right. Just trying to live my life. I, um, I, I've, it's, it's, it's much lower than it, than it used to be. So sometimes not a bad thing. Yeah, probably Stay informed, but uh, don't go crazy folks. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Apple news, I, I've, I've found that to be a pr- pretty good way to, to, <laughs> to aggregate news and, and read through that in the morning over coffee. Yeah. Yeah. If you could Amazon prime a book, one book to, uh, Donald Trump, who by the way is our president now, if you haven't been keeping up with it. <laughs> right. Right, uh, right. <laughs> what would what would that be? So if I, if I would send if I was going to send him a book, yeah, yep. yeah, we actually have a book a list on on Amazon Prime, and uh, we're going to throw your uh, uh, recommendation on there, and people can actually uh, send it. People to actually the White House. go on there, they click a button, and it two day ships it to the White House. <laughs> they just must have like a garage full of books. Yep. <laughs> um. <sighs> That's a what, we've gotten what? some. We've gotten such a wide range from the Constitution uh, to the Little Prince to mm-hmm. people's own books. Mm-hmm. Uh, some really awesome, compelling stuff. I, you know what? I I would send him Dr. Lucy Jones's newest book. I think okay. that would that would uh, provide some real science and some factual basis, and it would educate him on earthquake early warning. It's a little selfish for for my cause but uh i i would absolutely do that it's a pretty good cause so <laughs> your selfishness <laughs> is fine <laughs> there's there's selfish and there's they're selfish uh what is that book called oh lucy jones's new book uh oh i, I mentioned is it, it called I, the big one for some reason i forgot ask him that uh the big one the big one all right there we go awesome uh we will put that in the show notes as well and on uh the link it's right on our website trump's book club uh, great fun, great fun. Just causing <laughs> havoc wherever we go. Uh, all right, 
This has been so great. Last one. Uh, how would you like to use this uh, podcast to speak a little truth to power? Uh, anything last you want to say that we didn't get to? Oh man, you guys <laughs> I, I, we did a great job. I mean, I, I think we really, I think we really covered everything. I mean, you had the action points for people to help out and, and find ways to, to make change. I mean, I think if I, if one last thing, I would just say, you know, do that, right? Yeah. Ask if it's at your, your kid's school, if it's at, you know, if it's in your office building and, mm-hmm. and make sure you voice your support to the representatives who can actually do something about it. That's, that's it. You hit it right on the head. Awesome. Sounds pretty good. We got elections coming up here. So, uh, that'd be a good thing to look into while we're thinking about who we should put into office. That's right. Um, there you go. Are you, uh, can, can our listeners follow you online somewhere? Absolutely. Twitter early warning lab. Because with the S, it's over their character limit for a oh, name. Oh, we're very familiar <laughs> yeah, with that situation. Fucking ours is important, not imp. And <laughs> it's just like, ah! It's so close. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so at, at Early Warning Lab. Uh, and uh, we have a, I mean, I don't know if anyone knows what this is, but it's, uh, uh, it was called Facebook. We have a Facebook page. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure that's sure that they think they turned that off. Yeah. That doesn't oh, work off. anymore. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll uh, have to get a MySpace page. Bad things. <laughs> it did, yeah. did bad things. Look, for uh, all MySpace's faults, it didn't throw a fucking election. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, but actually, no, you know what? Actually, that, that does remind me. I did forget to mention something. So your listeners can actually go to our website. Mm-hmm. They can, uh, early warning labs. Mm-hmm. They can actually sign up on there to be one of the first people invited when we actually do do this uh, wide launch of the app. So there is a oh, awesome. early access list, and, you know, and they'll be able to get kind of the first the first uh, round of invites for that. So make sure they go there, sign up. There's a little annoying pop up that'll pop up. They can put their email. If they don't see that, they can go to uh, mobile app on the upper right, and they can also enter their name there too. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And what do we think timing is for that? Uh, we're hoping by the end of the year, we have a lot of moving parts, right? We have we have USGS, universities, cities, state, uh, federal. Enough with the complaints, Josh. It's like <laughs> the whole time. That's all it's been. So he says, so we hope the end of the year, but timelines can change. It, well, I mean, it could be earlier, but you know, it's possible it could be bleed into next year. But we really, we're pushing hard to have it towards the end of the year. Big one's coming, Josh. So uh, it's coming. maybe stop doing podcasts and, <laughs> and get back to work. <laughs> Um, everybody says it's overdue. Hey man, this was great. Thank you so much for your time, Josh. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Um, and for all that you do and, and you're not far away. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll connect here at some point. Sounds um, good. Look, for look. sure. Um, awesome. Brian, anything else? I guess not. See you around Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Have fun guys. If I see you, I'm just going to say <laughs> smash them, bash them. <laughs> all right. I'm getting off the line. <laughs> thank right. you so much. Thanks, Josh. All right. Bye guys. Bye. Ciao. Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute or awesome workout or dishwashing or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Just so weird. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Important Not Important, Pinterest and Tumblr, the same thing. So check us out, follow us, share us, like us, you know the deal. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to things like this. And if you're really fucking awesome, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Keep the lights on. Thanks. Please. 
And you can find the show notes from today right in your little podcast player and at our website, importantnotimportant.com. Thanks to the very awesome Tim Blaine for our jam and music, to all of you for listening, and finally, most importantly, to our moms for making us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.